You're listening to The Rob Review Podcast. Evan Rob and Laura Rob share their thoughts and opinions on teaching, learning, and leadership. And now, The Rob Review Podcast with Evan and Laura. This is Evan Rob, and I am joined today with Laura Rob. This is a Rob Review Podcast. Welcome, Laura. Oh, it's great to be back, and it's great to be back in person um, recording these. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we said, we did some, we did a lot of remote recording where I was in my house and you were in yours. And it's nice to be back, back in the home office in front of the uh, the computer doing our podcast the way that we like to do them. And this is actually an, an important podcast because we want to dig a little bit into. ELA curriculum and the elements that we recommend that we believe help make for an effective ELA classroom. So Laura, why don't you begin? You're going to talk about four key elements that we we need within an ELA classroom. And you know, this is this is important because you know Laura and I talk a lot about independent reading and we always like to clarify that uh, we both love independent reading. That's a simple clarification, which we'll never deviate from. But we want people to know that effective ELA classrooms have more to them than simply independent reading. And this podcast is going to share a lot more details about the elements that make up an effective ELA classroom. Well, to begin with, uh, you need daily teacher read-alouds. These can be uh, short texts, like short stories or folk or fairy tales, myths, uh, poetry, something that the teacher can read in 10 minutes. I'm reluctant to read an entire novel because with schedule changes, especially in middle school, Evan, uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of times you never get to finish it, and that's frustrating. Uh, In addition to daily read-alouds for pure pleasure and introducing students to a variety of genres and authors. Um, Some of these should be what I call um, an interactive read aloud with an anchor text, a text that is the same genre and theme as the reading unit you're working on instructionally. So if students are reading different books, Evan, that anchor text becomes a common text, your teaching tool for the entire class. Next, of course, is independent reading, and then instructional reading. The purpose of instructional reading is to take uh, kids and stretch them. Uh, It has a little bit uh, more uh, difficulty to it, uh, not only in vocabulary and syntax or sentence structure, but we're introducing concepts Uh, and ideas that might be new to students or they're unfamiliar with. And then writing about reading. The research is clear that if students do informal writing about reading, such as uh, lists, even uh, drawing pictures or cartoons and writing captions, um, listing their emotions and explaining why the text raised these emotions, if they do those kinds of responses in a reader's notebook um, about a book that they can read and learn from, their comprehension of that book can go up 24 percentile points. I want that for every child. Yeah, that's great. So let's start digging into this a little bit deeper right now. Let's go back to the to the anchor, anchor text read aloud that you talked about. You said something that's really important. I want to go back to it. So 
I remember, you know, when I was in, when I was in, an English teacher in the 1990s, uh, it was very popular to do a lot of read-alouds within the class. Now, I'm not going to digress and talk about what that English classroom looked like. It looked a lot different than the class that you're describing. But I will tell you that on an alternating block, if a teacher is reading one book to each class, uh, that becomes rather tricky to be able to manage because, you know, inevitably, you know, there's there's an assembly one day and that cuts one class short or there's a snow day one day and suddenly the rhythm's off. And then the teacher needs to think about what page each of their blocks are on in this read aloud. And it becomes frustrating and it becomes hard to juggle. But what you're talking about is a very, uh, you're talking about a short selection. Absolutely. The anchor text or interactive read aloud, should, you should finish it in five to six or seven lessons. So you're talking 10 to 12 minutes of yeah. reading and thinking aloud to model how you apply strategies or what emotions the book uh, raises. Um, but you don't have to have, like if you have four classes, you don't have to have four different books. Yeah, you don't have to have four different books. That, that would be really, really challenging also. But again, trying to juggle that, you know, Block one is on page 52 and block two is on page 48. It gets incredibly confusing. And, you know, and then it digresses, you know, and, and as I've shared before, my, uh, particularly my seventh grade uh, middle school experience when I was in school, you, my teacher, that's all he did was read aloud. And so we didn't do anything other than listen to the read alouds. But you're talking about bringing some real intentionality yes. into the read aloud. Yes, and, and using the read aloud to provide students with a mental model and a resource of how to think about text. Now, also, when you talked about independent reading, and I, I, I know that you're always very purposeful with, with your words, you did not say independent reading at the end of the four, um, the four elements that make up a good ELA classroom. You actually said it as number two, and I want you to expand on that a little bit because I'm, I'm feeling that you're saying that independent reading doesn't have to be something that's the last 10 minutes of every single class. No, because a lot of times those last 10 minutes never happen, Evan. And and uh, the reason I, I moved it to the beginning of the class, maybe about seven or eight years ago, teachers were telling me, we never get to it, and you're saying how important it is. Um, and, you know, class students digress or a need comes up and you're taking care of something else. This way you open the class, and it's a great way to open the class. It sets the tone that focusing and concentrating and reading is important. And I have it up front because of that. It shows how much you value it. Now, when, when a teacher is moving into the instructional reading part of their class, is everyone necessarily reading the exact same book or is everyone necessarily reading the exact same text? Uh, for me, that is uh, doesn't work because I have never had a class, nor I, does, I, I don't think any teacher has had a class where all students can read the same book. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe you, you do, but you know, basically you want to differentiate. So I organize uh, reading by genre. And in the elementary grades, uh, you might have guided, <coughs> guided reading <clears throat> so that teachers work with small groups using the same text. But again, that anchor text becomes the instructional tool for those small groups. Or, which I prefer, is that if, if you're reading a biography and you have 26 students, that there are 26 different biographies being read. And how much richer your understanding of biography 
is when you have a wide range of books and students start recommending books to one another. Um, and we know, Evan, that peer recommendation is very powerful at all levels. But the, um, so the, the instructional reading part of the class, you know, I like what, I like what you're saying. And I think it's important to say it, uh, you know, that, that even though kids could be in different books or different short selections of text, the opportunity to focus on strategies, whether it's before, during, and after reading strategies, or particular skills, comprehension inferences, uh, they can uh, transcend from one text to the other or from one book to the other. Right. And when students read uh, uh, um, at, at their instructional level, which is about 88 to 92 percent accuracy which uh, of reading the text, but we're dealing with vocabulary and concepts um, ideas that might be new to them and character development. It, it's very important that they read. If you have one book, you're going to have a part of the class that can't read it. So the teacher reads it out loud or puts it on tape or buys a tape that has the book uh, being read aloud. The bottom line is the student is not reading. And when you don't read, you can't make progress. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that will clarify is, you know, we are talking for grade level ELA classrooms. There could be some exceptions um, if your school is a school that has a, an advanced honors track uh, of kids, you know, it, that increases the likelihood that they may be able to work on one novel at, at a time. Uh, you know, I, I think it's fine to do one novel once in a while in that situation, but I also think it's even better to have three novels that, that uh, groups of students are reading uh, to make the discussions richer so that groups share ideas that are different, that are similar, that, uh, that teach um, students to think about different groups of people, different places. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's really profound, you know, because a lot of times, especially we see in honors classes, and, and we certainly see it in some high school classes, where certain books just become the sacred books of the class. I, I agree, Evan, but uh, I think even more so, a lot of that started because uh, with one text, you can show students how to think about uh, books and, and different ways of writing about books. That becomes your teaching material as well. But with the anchor text, you have a short text that I said is your teaching tool. That is the common text. That it provides a model for how you want students to think about the book they're reading and write about the book. Okay, reading. so we talked about an anchor text, read aloud. We've talked about independent reading. We talked a little bit about instructional reading. Let's let's kind of bring this home and talk about writing about reading. Right. We know that you can only write what you understand. So writing about reading is very important because it shows students their level of understanding. Uh, and the other thing I always recommend is that talk precede writing. Talk is an oral text, so you just have kids pair share, even if they're reading a different book, and think aloud to one another about what they're going to write about. And that brings a lot of ideas to the forefront of their minds, and it helps them clarify their words, and then they're ready to write. I'm not talking about essays or formal paragraphs. I'm talking about lists, strings of words, phrases, uh, maybe a few sentences, short pieces of writing that help deepen students' understanding of what 
the text is about. Yeah, I think it's really important. I think it's important for, you know, us professionals to help kids understand that writing and reading, you know, go together, that, they, that it's not in isolation. Like, you know, you don't want to have a classroom that says, okay, we have our 90-minute block, so 45 minutes is reading and the other 45 minutes is writing. Right. The, the only kind of write, see, this is writing about reading, Evan. There should be a workshop, time for workshop, and where students can write fiction and personal narratives. In your reading section, you're going to write more formalized paragraphs based on your notes in your reader's notebook uh, or a short essay. I'm just going to go back to one thing that you just said because it, it really just resonated with me. You said that within a writing workshop, kids can, can should have opportunities to do lots of writing, including writing fiction. Now, I don't know of any state standard that has fiction as a component of a, you know, a, a grade level objective. But, but I do know that that is typically the type of reading that kids most relate to. Not only kids, but think about what you, sure, the reading sure. you do, right? Uh, and we are story, we are stories. We are storytellers. Uh, we think in terms of story so that a student should have an opportunity to write fiction. I don't care if it's not on the test. Actually, it's better because I don't think you can evaluate that. It takes time to write fiction. Um, but we have to give kids uh, uh, opportunities uh, to write stories. Yeah, you know, most state standards have, you know, persuasive essays in yeah. them, but I don't know. How many do you read? Do you, how many <laughs> expository texts and persuasive essays are you reading? I don't read too many of them. Uh, okay, I, right. I, I never did. That, that's, uh, right. I'll answer that question. Okay. Uh, I, unfortunately, Evan, that came with the Common Core, where they act, actually took away a fiction writing and replaced it with, um, you know, expository text, argument, persuasion. Those are fine, uh, but... But there's more to writing and there's more to reading yeah. than that. Well, um, thank you for spending some time with me today. What, it's a great podcast and it's exciting because we, we, are pre we presented today a framework for you to reflect on, think about your classroom if you're a teacher, think about your school if you are an administrator. Laura has shared four elements that, that need to be part of an effective ELA classroom. Reflect on the four that she's talked about think about your classroom or think about your school and our words are either a source of affirmation or an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper and start thinking about uh, the structure of the organization of your classrooms. Right, Evan, and notice I put the read aloud after independent reading. It yep. comes before the instructional reading. I appreciate you sharing that. This wraps up our podcast here today. So Laura, thank you very much for um, spending some time having a conversation with me. Hope everyone enjoyed listening to the podcast. This is the Rob Review Podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the Rob Review Podcast. Check out our blogs at therobreviewblog.com and tell a friend. Thanks again and see you next time.